There's so much out there, just hundreds of things I could talk about. Well, of all things, guess what I decided to do? <laughs> Listen to the Spirit. Say, Spirit, what do you want me to speak on? And so today, I'm following a prompting of the Spirit today and next week and the following week of all that I could. And, and today, it's as though the Lord said, I want you to affirm my creation. I want you to get up and speak of the excellencies of my name and the power of my might and my being. Tell the people about my creation. And so today, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about creation. Now, I don't need to tell you that creation is not the prevailing explanation of the origin of the universe in our world today. Much of the world sees the creation as a religious belief without reality, not connected to the real explanations of the scientific world. For instance, in a, in a column called The Forum feature of USA Today a couple of years ago, an author by the name of Tom Crottenmaker said, listen to this, some creationists have decided to pick a fight that is neither necessary nor wise. Let science be science and let religion be religion. The two need not be reconciled. Well, I got a problem with that. So let me share with you three responses. Number one, it is not creationists who are picking a fight. The world has affirmed creation ever since mankind began back basically for multiplied centuries. These days, in the name of science, we have a number of scientists who are refuting creation, including publishers like Time, Life, and so forth. We're simply defending our worldview that's been there for centuries, and we're not picking a fight. Secondly, I want you to know the Bible and science are compatible. I don't think for a moment that science has adequately demonstrated that the science in the Bible, and by the way, the Bible is not a science textbook, but where it speaks of science, science has not discredited any of what the Bible has to say about scientific matters. In fact, over 2,000 years, the Bible has never changed one thing. But since I graduated from high school in the 60s, the textbooks of science are woefully out of date Number three, and here's the heart of one I'll respond to. What that guy said gets at an ethical issue for me. I couldn't ask you to believe something in the Bible that I knew was wrong, that I knew was inaccurate, and say, well, just make it a matter of religion, and then send you out into the academic world where the real truth is. I would never put you in that position to believe one thing in this church and then something outside of this church that's entirely different. I wouldn't do that at all. So here's the reality. Science has debunked creation with a widespread force that has become the default position for many Christians. And here's how it happens. I want you to see what goes on in the world. From preschool on, our public education system comes to our children and indoctrinates them in evolution. And they say it is true and creation is not. And then when they go off to college and university, our children, they receive evolution theory on steroids and creation doesn't stand a chance. All the while the children are growing up, most of the pulpits of our land are silent. They don't say a word. And the end result... 
of that kind of lifelong secular indoctrination is that the word of God is undermined, the God of the Bible as almighty and omnipotent is undermined, the supremacy of man in the image of God is undermined, and the basis of morality as absolute is undermined, and that's just for starters. The Bible teaches that creation is true reality and the only explanation of the origin of the universe. Evolution is an attack on that truth and on our faith. And as I said, it comes to our children, and by the time they graduate from college, creation seems untenable. So perhaps you can see why this is on my heart today. To speak truth to the church in the midst of a climate that's so intent on convincing us otherwise. So I'm going to make a case for creation today. I want to build up your faith in this matter from the word of God. And if you're struggling about this, I want you to honestly consider the position of creation. But first, you need to know two things as I launch. Number one. You need to know the kind of creation and the kind of evolution that I'm talking about. In terms of creation, the kind of creation I'm talking about means that God created the universe in a series of special creative acts as outlined in Genesis 1, whatever that time frame was. And in terms of evolution, hear me carefully. I mean that the universe did not come about by a Big Bang and Darwinian evolution and that man did not evolve from apes. I further mean that God was not behind the supposed Big Bang and any resultant evolutionary process. So we're not mixing theism into the evolutionary pot. The second thing I want you to say, and this just has to be known, science is not my bag. I'm not a scientist. It's not my field. And if I try to get up here and act as a scientist, it would be a fiasco. If I try to talk to you about the second law of thermodynamics and the fossil record and tectonic plates and the human genome project and those kinds. There are experts out there and Christian ones to boot and you need to read them and listen to them. I'm not going to ignore science, but I'm not going to try to lead you on as though I know a lot about these scientific matters. But what I want to set before you is that I am firmly convinced that creation and science can be friends. So here's the big idea of my sermon. Creation is the only credible position concerning the origin of the universe for believers in Christ. Let me say that again. Creation is the only credible position concerning the origin of the universe for believers in Christ. In fact, even if you're not a believer in Christ, I'm talking about reality. That's the way it happened. That's what the Bible says, and it is so important to understand that reality is reality, and you cannot have creation and evolution true at the same time. And so from the Bible, I'm going to give you five reasons today why we should believe that God created the universe rather than that a godless explosive incident launched the universe. And as I do this, I just have to tell you that if I'm going to believe a book about origins, I'm going to believe the Word of God book over the scientific textbooks of man. And that's just where I land. And so I want to give you five reasons right now why we should believe that God created the universe. Reason number one. 
The first verse of the Bible sets the tone for the entire Bible concerning creation. The first verse sets the tone for the entire Bible about what creation and that position is all about. And by the way, for everything else that's real, it sets the tone. Now, the very first verse of the Bible tells us the two most important things that we need to know as human beings. Number one, we need to know there is a God. It tells us that. And number two, it needs to tell us where we come from, how we got here. It tells us that. And so that very first verse sets the tone for everything that follows in the Bible. And I believe it is a genius verse. There is no greater reality, there is no greater idea that God could have started the Bible with than that there is a God and that he created everything that there is. And so in that first verse, we are introduced to the position of the Bible on creation. It's what we call special creation. Special creation. And what do we mean by that? We mean that God personally created the universe in a series of creative acts, and that, my friends, is the position of the entire Bible without exception. And so God never tried to prove his existence, and he never tried to prove that he created everything. He just laid it out there as truth from the start, and he asked us to believe it. Now listen, if the Bible is wrong about reality, in the very first verse, We have a major problem about everything else that follows in the Bible. And the credibility of the Bible is on the line from verse 1. And not just the credibility of the Bible and creation. If creation is wrong and the credibility of the Bible is suspect, we also have a problem with the gospel. What am I talking about? Well, from the very first three verses in the Gospel of John, John told us the exact same thing Moses told us in Genesis 1. John said in verses 1 through 3 that God was in the beginning and that God created everything and he names which person of the Trinity? Jesus Christ was the creator. Now think about it. If indeed it isn't true that Christ created everything by divine acts, then it may not be true that he was divinely sent from God to redeem the world. It may not be true that he really died and rose again from the dead. My friends, it's all true or it's all suspect. And isn't it interesting that many who call creation into doubt also call the historical Jesus and his resurrection into doubt. Friends, the first verse of the Bible sets the agenda for reality and for faith. God created the universe by divine action. That's the position of the Bible from verse 1 onward. And the reliability, get this, the reliability of all the other doctrines of the Bible flow from the reality or the lack of it of the very first verse in the Bible. And if you knock that down, everything else is suspect. Well, there's a second reason beyond the first verse setting the tone. A second reason that we need to believe that God created the universe. I love this. God himself claimed to have created the universe. God makes the claim, I did it. This is huge. For the moment, let's not consider what the other biblical authors said about creation. Let's get into the Bible and talk about what God said about 
God being quoted, what God said and claims he did. I want God to speak for himself. And so in honor of the word of God from his mouth about what he, God, says about creation, I want you to stand in honor of his word. Would you stand as I read? And get this. Let your heart flow with this. This is God speaking. Moses didn't say this. And Jeremiah didn't say this. And John didn't say it. And Paul, God said it. Genesis 6, 7. I will blot out man whom I have created, as God informed Noah about the impending flood. Job 38, 4. The question God posed to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Psalm 75, 3. It is I who have set the earth's pillars. Isaiah 45, 7 and 8. The one forming light and creating darkness, I am the Lord who does all these things. Isaiah 45, 12. It is I who made the earth and created man. I stretched out the heavens with my hands. Isaiah 48, 13. Surely my hand founded the earth. My right hand spread out the heavens. Isaiah 66, 2. For my hand made all these things. Thus all things came into being. Jeremiah 27, 5. I have made the earth, the men and the beasts which are on the earth, by my great power and by my outstretched arm. You may be seated. My friends, if God didn't do what he said he did, he's a liar. And if he meant for us to take creation in some other way, then literally, he's playing games. Furthermore, we have an eyewitness to creation. I hope you understand that. God himself. He was there, the only one. He is the eyewitness, but he was there. And so he says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? I was there, you weren't, but I was, and that's all that should count. Is there any reason not to accept the testimony of God Almighty who says not only did he do it, but I was there over human beings who weren't? How dare we challenge God on this? I had to think some years ago when Marie and I went to the Metropolitan Art Museum in New York City. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it is a phenomenal place where you see the creativity, the incredible creativity of humankind there. And as I walked around there, I thought to myself, I can't believe that human people did this. I, this is phenomenal. And so what if I got to thinking, well, you know, this is just too incredible for any human to have done that. And I wasn't there, and I didn't see it, and I don't know anybody personally who could do anything. Therefore, that didn't happen. It had to come some other way. Maybe it exploded and got there. I don't know. You know what? God is the greatest artist of all. And the universe and creation are his masterpiece. And how offensive it must be to God to say, I wasn't there when you did it. And that's just too phenomenal for me to believe that you could do something like that. And we call him into question as the greatest artist and say, that's not your masterpiece. Do you know what the universe should do? It should make us look at this artist of God and marvel and worship that there is a, a person like God who did all of this. And he said, I did it. And I was there. You know what? If he said that, I am going to believe it. And I hope you will too. He said, reason number two, I did it. Reason number three why we should believe that God created the universe. All the biblical writers who address the subject of origins firmly attribute creation to God without question and without exception. 
Now, I went on a very interesting journey a few years ago to find out every verse in the Bible that spoke about creation because I wanted to see how much was there and who said what and everything. I was blown away. I came up with 55 pages. This document right here is every verse in the Bible on creation. What I'm in the process of doing is making a little booklet out of it that's going to have an introduction and all the verses of the Bible because I want them to speak for themselves. And then a conclusion where I'm going to have 24 times 7. Not that I'm trying to say I believe in 24 hours necessarily. But at the end, 24 times 7 reasons why it's credible to believe in that the Bible is true about creation. I looked at this. I couldn't believe it. And by the way, if you want to know the books of the Bible that have the major amount of creation verses, it's not Genesis. They are, they are Job, Psalms, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and then Genesis. And if you take out Genesis from the picture, basically you lose nothing. There is so much in there other than Genesis that proves from the biblical authors that God is the creator. And I want to once again give you a small sampling from the word of God. I'm talking 55 pages here. Let me give you a small sampling. And in honor of the word of God, I'm asking you to stand again. This is awesome. Would you stand and let me read this to you? Oh, I love this. Mm. Nehemiah 9.6. You made the heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life to all of them. Job 9.8. Who alone stretches out the heavens who made the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades? Job 26.7. He stretches out the north and hangs the earth on nothing. Psalm 33.6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Psalm 95.5. The sea is his, for it was he who made it. His hands formed the dry land. Psalm 102.25, of you, excuse me, of old you founded the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. Psalm 104.19, he made the moon for the seasons. Psalm 137.7, to him who made the great lights. Psalm 146.6, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Isaiah 40.12, who made the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by span and weighed the mountains in the balance. Isaiah 40.26, see who created the stars. Jeremiah 31 35, the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and stars for light by night. Jeremiah 33 2, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. John 1 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him. 1 Corinthians 8 6, Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we exist through him. Ephesians 3 9, the mystery for which ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Hebrews 1-2. In these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son through whom he also made the world. Hebrews 11-3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made from things which are visible. And Revelation 4-11. Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created. Does that make you want to give the Lord an applause or what? I mean, hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. And this is what the biblical authors believed, every one of them, consistently, without fail. They believe that God created the universe by special acts and the contention 
that the people and the authors of the Bible were too primitive to understand science, so God spoke to them about the universe and stories and allegories is simply untenable and ridiculous. The biblical authors present creation as historical reality, and if they were wrong about something they believed in so strongly, there's no real way to decipher what else they could be wrong about in the other areas of their teachings, and the Bible would become, at best, a very unreliable book, and I'm not willing to go there. They said he did it, and they're asking us to believe it. Reason number four why we should believe that God created the universe Oh, this is great. Jesus himself. Jesus himself believed in special creation. Now, there's no question that Jesus believed in creation. No question at all. He said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? In Mark chapter 10 and verse 6, Jesus said, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And then in teaching on the last days, Jesus said in Mark 13, 19, For those days would be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation which God created. My friends, if that isn't straightforward language, nothing is. There is no reason in the world to believe that Jesus had anything else in mind than a literal historical creation, and there is no room for evolution in his statements. Jesus believed in special creation, and why wouldn't he? He was the creator. And so we go to the apostle John and Paul, and they pick up that theme. They teach it as truth. John 1, 3. All things were made through him, Christ, and without him was not anything that was made. They said Christ did it. Colossians 1.16, for by him, Christ, all things were created, all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created through him and for him. Friends, why did Jesus believe in creation? <laughs> he did it. He knew the truth. He knew he was the creator, and if Jesus Christ is wrong about that, we do not have a sinless, spotless lamb of God that went to the cross and we're all lost in our sins. Honestly, as true followers of Christ, I don't know how anyone can believe in Jesus and his words and believe anything other than creation. Which brings me to reason number five as to why it is so important to believe that God created the universe. And here it is. Creation is incredib incredibly logical once you understand its function. Let me say that again. Creation is incredibly logical once you understand its function. And there are many functions of creation, but I'm going to give you the top three in my opinion today. I hope you never forget them. Function number one is that creation is the major way God shows us how great he is. There is no other way possible than creation to show us how incredibly powerful and omnipotent that he is. In fact, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse. And by the way, every time the scientists find more universe, there's more expanse. And the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. He is almighty. He is powerful. 
And then Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident. How did he do it? For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How? Being understood, it says, through what has been made. Folks, it is a billboard. When you look at creation, God is almighty. He is powerful. And that is one of the functions. Now, there are two kinds of revelation, self-disclosure that God gives human beings. Number one is called general or natural revelation. I'll explain that in just a moment. And the other is special revelation. And these are two ways that God communicates that he exists and how wonderful and incredible that he is. Special creation I'll come to in a moment, but general or natural revelation is simply creation. God reveals that there is a God and that he's incredibly power, powerful through natural, general revelation. Special revelation is Scripture. And in the Scriptures, he tells us actually who he is, how he relates to us, and how we relate to him. But my point here is, if you take away natural revelation, if you take away general revelation... You remove the major way God reveals himself and his power. And I'm not willing to go there, and I hope you're not either. But here's the second function. Creation, first of all, tells us there is a great and powerful God. Take away that, and you, you, you make God a wimp. Second, creation is a demonstration of God's wisdom. Of God's wisdom. Evolutionary, evolution says that nature operates the way it does by adapting itself randomly to the environment over millions of years. The truth is, get this, creation, in creation, God designed the incredible marvels of nature to show us how wise and understanding he is. Proverbs 3.19 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Jeremiah 10, verses 12 and 13 says, It is he who made the earth by his power and established the world by his wisdom, by his understanding, he stretched out the heavens. My friends, the way the planets operate, the way the birds migrate, the way the trees receive sunlight, and the way our bodies work, just for starters, are all marvels demonstrating how wonderfully wise God is. He put all this together in marvelous ways. And the universe is not just a billboard of his power. The universe is a billboard of his wisdom and precision and balance and complexity. And truth be told, science is really the examination of the wisdom of God as we discover the secrets of the universe. And what should be happening is this. Every time we look at science, we should be learning more about who God is and how he thinks and how he puts things together. And I believe of all the people on the face of the planet, the people who should worship God the most should be scientists because they are getting the first up row front seat on how he thinks and operates. The genius and wisdom of God. But here comes the most practical function. I talked to you about creation showing his power. I talked to you about creation showing his wisdom. Here's the most practical one of all. Creation is the greatest proof that we can trust God for help. That we can trust God for help. Listen, when Israel was tired and couldn't go on, Isaiah told them that their strength could be renewed. Why? Because the creator of the ends of the world does not 
grow weary. Isaiah 40, 28. And then in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 and 6, God told Israel that because he created the heavens and the earth, he can also hold their hand and watch over them for their goods. And so Jeremiah said with these great words, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too difficult for you. And so guess what? You wake up someday and you got the biggest problem you ever had. Maybe you have it right now. And you're wondering how you're ever going to get through this. You're wondering how will this mountain ever, ever be conquered. And you're wondering, is there any hope? Is there any future? What do I do? And God says, listen, I created the heavens and the earth. I am greater than your problem. I created the mountains. I can help you through yours. Anybody say amen? Listen. If you understand that he is the creator, there is no problem that you have that he can't be there for you and help. And I am so grateful for that. And if I thought for a moment that God was wimpy and he didn't have any power, I would be hopeless. Not just with my own problems, but all the problems of the world that I have seen in the past. I want you to know, creation screams. There is nothing impossible for God and therefore he can help you. I could go on. I'm going to land the airplane. There are many more reasons what we should believe that God created the universe. But let me give you a number of concluding statements to tie all of this together. Number one, if you believe that God is almighty, and I hope you do, in every respect, it shouldn't be hard for you to believe in creation. He's omnipotent. He can do it. Number two, if you refuse to admit to the supernatural... Of origins, Then you're going to look to science and naturalism to explain the origin of the universe, and that will lead you to the Big Bang theory and evolution. So you rule out the supernatural, you're going to go towards Big Bang and evolution. Number three, if you mix the two, some supernatural and Big Bang and science and that kind of thing, what you're going to likely say is that God used the Big Bang and evolution to create the universe, and that brings you to a theistic compromise that I don't think is wise. Number four, if you believe in the supernatural as the basis of origins, as I said earlier, you will end up seeing a satisfying harmony between the scientific and spiritual worldviews. They are friends. Number five, if you rule out the supernatural in creation, get this. You will then knock down all the other miracles of the Bible. Do you really want to go there? Because none of the miracles of the Bible can be scientifically explained. They rise above the laws of science. And I am not willing to say that if creation goes, all the other miracles go. Simply not where I'm going to go. Number six, your position on origins is actually a faith position. Why? Since the beginning of the universe is not observable or repeatable, science can't prove the universe how it began. So it's a position of faith. And creationists believe the word of God, but it's a position of faith. So we're both down, whether evolution or creationist, to a position of faith. And for me, it is a greater leap of faith to believe that the complex universe came about because of an explosion without the direct involvement of God than to believe that God is so powerful that he created the universe. Number seven, if we're honest, we must admit there are problems with either position, both evolution and creation. But I am of the opinion there are less problems to solve than, uh, with creation than evolution. 
which leads me to number eight. Listen carefully. Even if you believe in creation, it will never be fully understood by human beings. Why? Well, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, for instance, that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. God's got some of this that he's keeping to himself. In fact, Ecclesiastes 11.5 says, Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. He has kind of hidden some of that from us. And so creation by its very nature is not able to be fully comprehended by human beings. But guess what we try to do? We try to bring God down to our level of understanding. And the way we do that is to remove the miraculous and believe something preposterous in the name of science. Number nine, if you don't happen to believe in creation, I just want you to know you're welcome at Old North. You're not the enemy. You need to know what we believe and teach here and that one of my goals is to, is to disciple every Christian that I know in the Bible's position on creation. And I invite you to the journey of discovering just how incredible God is. That's the issue. Now, how the universe got here may be pro- problematic for us, but I want you to know, even though it's a problem for us to believe all that, it was a piece of cake for God. And I want you to worship Almighty God as He is, not a weakened version of God under the microscope of human beings and their finite knowledge. And finally, speaking of worship, I want us all to worship this Almighty Creator God today. He wants us to marvel at who He is. That's the big purpose. And creation lifts up God. Evolution is a slap in his face. And he wants us to surrender to his majesty and to his lordship. He's lord of creation, and he wants that to be a matter of lordship for us as well. So church, the God we worship and serve is the God of the impossible. How can we believe in a God in which creation was too much for him to handle? If God didn't create the heavens and the earth... I hold out very little hope that he'll be able to create the new heavens and the new earth. But I'm here to tell you, I haven't the slightest doubt that God created the universe. In fact, I would die for that. I line up with the teaching of the Bible and the creeds of the early church and the saints of the ages who proclaim that God is maker of heaven and earth. And I hope you do too. And so today, let's worship this creator, not the evolutionary science of our age. Let's understand that the God who created the universe is the same God who created the laws of science by which the universe now runs. And so Nathan and the band is coming to lead us in our final song today. And here's the deal, as your former pastor used to say. If you're moved to come to the front to kneel before the God, your maker, before the Lord God, your maker, I'm going to ask you to come forward at any time during that song and take a knee. Let's praise the God of the universe for his mighty acts of creation because creation is the greatest proof that God exists and that he's absolutely sensational and awesome and worthy to be praised. And so if God has moved your heart today to take a knee before the God who made you in worship, I'm going to ask you to come right now and join me at the front as we sing. Would you stand and worship, please?